Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time to dig into searching the scriptures in the August issue of The Lutheran Witness. To Joining us today to search the scriptures, Pastor Wesley Odom of Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Arlington, Texas. Pastor Odom, thanks for being our guest today. Glad to be able to be here. And, and welcome back too. This is what our third, I think, installment with you in searching the scriptures. So yeah, it is. Yeah, it's been really uh, a fun little project to work on. Looking forward to uh, to studying God's word with you today. Uh, what are we? What's the the theme that that we're going to be looking at, or what's the text we're going to be looking at today? Yeah, the text is from Acts chapter seventeen. So this is Paul's. Uh, kind of famous speech to the men of Athens there on the Areopagus, and uh, a little bit before uh, the actual speech itself. So that's that's sort of the context there uh, in in Acts seventeen. So what are we what are we digging into first? What is the the context of of uh, what this searching the scriptures mm-hmm. is about this month? The the theme of the issue, uh, the Lutheran witness issue, is. Uh, civility in in discourse uh, with our neighbors in the world and our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. So um, I was trying to think of a text that we could use that was familiar, but maybe take a little bit of a different angle at it. And um, this, this speech by Paul at the Areopagus, uh, as I mentioned just briefly in the introduction to the Bible study here, is, is often looked at... Um, um, when Christians are considering how to defend the faith, but there really is more uh, more to be gleaned there by the Christian, and that is Paul's demeanor, his decorum, uh, as he is really in a it's sort of a pleasantly hostile environment. Maybe not as hostile as it would have been in Rome, uh, but but he's he's certainly not um, you know addressing the, the the potluck after church or something like that. <laughs> Although potlucks can be contentious too. I mean, you know. That's right. That's true. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Especially Are when it comes a... to green beans. Or jellos or <laughs> coleslaw. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Acts 17. Uh, let's jump into the first question. Uh, read Acts 17, 16. What provokes Paul's spirit? Have you also been provoked by Paul by false idols? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul is waiting in Athens for Silas and Timothy to join him from Berea. So if, if you want to take a look back at the, the verses before that, um, this is another kind of well-known uh, uh, instance here in the book of Acts where the Bereans are searching the scriptures to see if what the apostles are, are preaching and teaching is correct. And um, uh, the men of that Place, send Paul away to Athens, and then and then Paul wants Silas and Timothy to come and join him. So he's waiting in Athens for those two fellow workers to join him, and he he looks around Athens and, and doesn't have to look very far, and sees as the text says that the city is given over to idols, overflowing 
with uh, cultic images, with with idols to to false gods. Yeah, and uh, and this provokes him, provokes his spirit, so that he must he must speak, <laughs> right? He must say something. Should we go ahead and? I know we're short on time, but can we can we read through the text before we get into too many more questions? Would that be all right? Just verse by verse? Sure. So this, first, this first verse, yeah. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Hmm. Yeah. So just that first verse there, and um, I, I imagine that more and more people are seeing what would be um, the most overt expression of false idols um, uh, in their lives. I, I was really surprised when I moved here to Arlington, Texas, in this little neighborhood that we were in uh, for the first couple of months while we were looking for a house to buy, that around the corner in this sleepy little neighborhood, there was this massive Buddhist retreat uh, with this huge golden statue outside. Uh, it was really convenient for us to talk to our, our oldest about the first commandment. <laughs> but but I, I, even 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 if people are maybe seeing things like that more frequently these days, it's probably not that common. So how can we take this this reality that provokes Paul's spirit within him that he that he sees an overflow of false idols and um, and apply that to what might be more more common in our lives, right? So, so if we look around and see our brothers and sisters in Christ perhaps being tempted to forsake the proclamation of the gospel, uh, giving their their time, their lives over in a certain sense uh, to um, to something else that would um, uh, give them refuge in distress or something else that they would look to for all good, as Luther says in the large catechism, the first commandment, besides the one true God and his saving gospel, um, does that provoke our spirits within us? And how might we then approach um, our brother or sister in Christ in that context as well? Verse 17 is the, the next question focuses on that. Shall we read that text? Sure. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. So the question then is, is how does Paul address what he perceives um, and how does this help inform how we might react to idolatry as well? Yeah, you're right. So you see these two uh, contexts that Paul is responding to here. He's reasoning with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers, as as is his practice throughout his ministry, uh, but also in the marketplace uh, with those who happen to be there, which is the kind of the focus of the rest of the text here in Acts. Those who uh, the well-known speech is directed at as well. But I think that you can take Paul's demeanor and his decorum in the speech and also apply it to our lives as well. When we might have disagreements over the teachings of the Christian faith with our brothers and sisters in Christ, um, uh, within our own congregations, uh, perhaps within our families, uh, between our friends as well. 
so then uh, moving on to the next verse so we don't run out of time uh and that acts uh, 17 18 then certain epicurean and stoic philosophers encountered him and some said what does this babbler want to say others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Yeah, so so the question I, I'm hoping that people will see in this verse here, the eternal importance of what Paul is driving at primarily with these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, these, these pagan philosophers, he's driving Jesus Christ his death for the forgiveness of their sins, and his resurrection from the dead. You, you see this in uh, their immediate response to what he is preaching, right? So regardless of whatever else he's saying, this is the heart uh, of what he sees, obviously, as of utmost importance. Hmm. Anything else on that verse before we move ahead do you want do you want to move to the next verse or do you want to read any more before we get to that next verse uh no i i maybe just to kind of tie up the the second question just very very quickly though i wanted to mm -hmm. yeah, so the, the second part of that is how does it inform how we might react to idolatry and my hope is that we'll see that um we ought to pray to god that we have a desire to move on uh, as we mature as Christians from uh, from the, the milk of the faith, right? The most basic understandings of the faith to the meat of the faith so that we might be uh, even more ready to give a defense for the hope that is within us. Hmm. Amen. All right, where do you want to go next, Pastor? Uh, so the next question then is um, uh, verse 22. And we want to see uh, how Paul is going to actually address these uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers he's talking to. Uh, so if I'll read this real quick, then. Um, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. So a very uh, short verse there. <laughs> but I, I, think that, I think there is something in how Paul addresses those he is talking to. He knows clearly they have very different beliefs uh, from each other, but nevertheless, uh, he doesn't begin speaking uh, just beratingly to these uh, men. Now, he addresses them in, in a respectful way, right? Men of Athens. But the he, he, even though he's respectful and decorous towards them, that doesn't move him to say nothing, right? He, he still remembers the eternal consequence of uh, what he must preach to them, and that is Christ crucified and risen from the dead for them. So he, although Paul knows he has vastly different beliefs than the men of Athens, does he regard them harshly or respectfully? No. What, is, what does he mean by very religious? Yeah, this is a reference back to that thing which provokes his spirit within him. And that, that is that uh, the city is, is overrun with idols. They, they, they know that there is something that is to be worshipped, right? <laughs> Their heart tells them that there is a God, which they uh, see as many gods, 
though missing the mark with every one. Uh, but they, they know that there is something. And this is, this is kind of, I think, a challenge in our day that uh, this is maybe becoming less and less the case, right? That uh, you're, you're having to deal more with people who are not very religious, right? There, there's, there, at least with the men of Athens, is the idea that there is a supernatural, that there is a kind of uh, power above them. That, that truth is being rejected more and more in our days. And it just makes the, the, the task of the Christian uh, a little different. And, and it, it is something that we must carry on with, right? And, and always in our own contexts here in 2020 and beyond to be prepared to give a defense of the hope that is within us in our own day as well as the tides begin to change. We're searching the scriptures with Pastor Odom from Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Arlington, Texas, taking a look at the August issue of Lutheran Witness. We have more in Acts chapter 17. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are searching the scriptures with Pastor Wesley Odom of Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Arlington, Texas. Uh, searching the scriptures, the uh, the column in the Lutheran Witness. We're looking at the August issue, so we're in Acts chapter 17 this time, uh, already up to uh, verses. So we we finished up through verse 22 going to take a look at the following verses, 23 and following as well in Acts chapter 17. Uh, before we get into that, Pastor, uh, just during the break, sharing with us, what what's at the heart of the text that you want us to to learn from this? Uh, the difference between us and Jesus, I guess, is, is, is what I heard you saying. Yeah, well, there, yeah, there are many, many differences <laughs> between us. Just, but, but yes, when it comes to, to a text, a text like this, um, my hope is that we'll see that in this particular instance, now, now Paul in different contexts reacts different ways, uh, but he doesn't always come out guns blazing, right? He, he still addresses these, uh, these men who he knows that he disagrees with, almost could not disagree with them more on the most critical aspects of life, right? But nevertheless, he addresses them. He reasons with them, these men of Athens, and, and finds a, a way that he can get through to them, he he hopes, right? This uh, this next set of the set of the scriptures we'll get into here, this altar to the unknown God, and uses that as a way to try to reason with them. But um, even though, as I as I mentioned earlier, he is respectful and decorous towards them, addressing them respectfully, he doesn't hold back, right? He knows again that the the critical topic of discussion here is Christ's death and resurrection for them to forgive their sins. Uh, 
so he he can't beat around the bush and he he can't act as if uh these differences are inconsequential uh really matter not perhaps an art that i think we've lost in our day to be able yep. to <laughs> to uh, to speak respectfully especially when we disagree hmm. all right uh moving forward um verses 23 through 31 uh, do we want to read straight through or break it up a little bit? Your call, Pastor. Yeah, I think perhaps we could summarize. Yeah, because it's it's a okay. long text and it's certainly worth obviously reading. It's a well-known te- uh, speech from St. Paul here. But as I mentioned, he, in looking around at the, the city and the idols there, especially at the Areopagus, he sees, he says, even even an altar to the unknown God. And and he says, I want to to reason with you all about that one over there. And he, and he explains to them uh, who this God is driving towards the end of the speech uh, to Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. The, the same key topic that he was driving at earlier, that thing that made those men think that he was a babbler, he is preaching false gods, for, or not false gods, sorry, foreign gods. Um, here driving towards the same thing. So if we go to the end of the speech, uh, um, verses 30 and 31, for example, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Um, and then we'll get into the reaction to that uh, in, in just a minute, right? But, but the question in, in response to this uh, great speech uh, from Paul here is, um, does, does it seem like Paul thinks that uh, the differences between him and the Athenians are of little importance? And would it have been helpful, actually, for him to give the impression that they were? If he knows... You got to kind of fill the blanks in here. If he knows that there are eternally consequential matters at stake, so yes, uh, no, he doesn't act <laughs> as if the differences between himself and the Athenians are of little importance, right? He he gets to it. Repent, right? Repent for judgment comes. It would be completely dishonest and disingenuous for Saint Paul to act as if the fact that these men worship false gods is of little importance. Hey, they're nice guys, right? Why, why do I want to rock the boat? Uh, we're getting along kind of well, and they're listening to what I've got to say, so maybe I'll just water it down a little bit. But that's not the, the path Paul takes. It's frankly not the path that Christ Jesus takes or the other apostles uh, when they are preaching the gospel. We, we don't want to be, frankly, liars, and act as if the differences that we have are uh, inconsequential. And we don't want to make God himself out to be a liar either, because he certainly thinks that these differences are uh, eternally consequential as well. I think that's a, a common uh, thing that we fall into, though, when, we're, when we talk about uh, things that may cause offense. Uh, it's it's very easy to gloss over things or to sidestep yeah. 
the the big issues because um like andy mentioned maybe it's a lost art that we just we don't know how um or we just were afraid of offending people but this passage shows us something pretty different yeah, and and we and we'll get into this as in the in the next verses as well. But we just have to be ready for that. I mean, as as kindly uh, and as lovingly as we might try to be, love you know, respectful, uh, love, kind, uh, and and kindness, we we can't control how the word is received, right? I mean, and frankly, there are times when we have to proclaim the law so that we can all, we can get to proclaiming the gospel. Uh, sometimes you got to cause offense, right? <laughs> this is Jesus and John's gospel. Yeah, you've got a father. It's not Abraham, though. I'll tell you who your father is. And and Jesus calls them the children of the devil in, in the hopes that they might repent and believe in him as the son of God come to save them. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that works into the next question. Does Paul de- avoid dealing with difficult topics? I think we know the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> what difficult topics do you see addressed and how might this encourage you as you engage in difficult topics? Yeah, so the last part of the question I think is really kind of the, the, the key here, right? Yeah, of course, Paul doesn't avoid dealing with the difficult topics. <laughs> and the, the encouragement there for the Christian, and I mean, it's frankly, it's for pastors as well. This isn't just something that, you know, laity have to deal with wanting to avoid. No, we're none of us want to do this in ourselves. It's only by the, the power of the Holy Spirit that we have the godly desire to do this. And so the encouragement there is, is go forward, do it, because it is, by its nature, a loving act. Even, as I mentioned, it might not be received as a loving act, but nevertheless, it is it, because it is the love of God in that word that we are um, that we are using to, yeah. You know, well, as Paul is doing here to convict the hearts of those whom he's talking to, repent, judgment comes. Right. Hmm. Verse thirty-two. Are we ready for that, Pastor? We ought to be ready for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, "We will hear you again on this matter." Right? <laughs> but but the first reaction is the chief one. So, dear Christian, there are still scoffers in our day who scoff with their scoffing, right? so, and we ought to be prepared for that. And and the scriptures do that for us. The scriptures prepare our hearts to receive a ridicule in kind as our Lord Jesus Christ did. If this is the way that they treat the master, we ought not be surprised that they treat his disciples in like matter. Yeah. So, so you you dig in, dig into the, to the apostles epistles, go, go into, uh, you know, especially Peter's epistles there as he's addressing those uh, Christians who are, uh, under intense scrutiny by the world, uh, and and he tells them, kind of like Jesus does before he dies, right? I tell you these things beforehand, so that when they happen, you will know that I told you them. So you you ought not be surprised that the mocking and the scoffing comes. It won't be everyone, right? Lord willing, some will will hear and repent and believe the gospel. Perhaps that might happen down the road, years decades maybe even 
uh, but the word of the Lord, uh, by his own command, must be proclaimed. Because we, we pray that it would be proclaimed in our midst as well. You mentioned earlier that we can't control how the word of God or how the gospel is received. It, nor should I want to control how it is received. Because I'm not God. I don't know what's best for the person who's hearing that word of God. He certainly does, but I don't. And I wouldn't want to be able to control how it was received or perceived even. Um, I, I, I'll i leave that up to God, the one who knows <laughs> what's yeah, best certainly. for that person. It is a shock, and I'm sure you all have experienced this yourselves. When you you try to be as... Well, you keep in mind the text from a few Sundays ago, right? You know that you have a log in your eye, mm-hmm. but you love your brother and you see the speck in his eye. And Christ himself compels us uh, to, in love, go and talk to our brother with a speck in his eye while acknowledging the log in our own eye. But we're shocked sometimes when that that intentionally loving and kind word is received by or should they received with a, a kind of how dare you, but it really shouldn't surprise us because that's how we frankly react as well. When we hear the law applied to our own uh, sinful thoughts, words, Andy, but you're absolutely right, Andy, that boy, if we were in control of how these things went, we, we would cr- crumble everything around us in an instant, less than an instant, right. In, in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. I, th- I believe the phrase hot mess uh, comes to mind <laughs> if, if I were in control. Uh, yeah, thankfully, yeah. I'm not. Blazing mess. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, goodness. Well, we are all out of time. The great text and very thought-provoking how timely for um, the the things that we're facing, the things that, the conversations that maybe we're engaging in right now. Very timely. Thank you so much, Pastor Odom, for uh, helping us search the scriptures this month. We really appreciate God, it. God be praised. Amen. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.